You guys excited? You guys should be. You guys know what conviction means? Who knows what conviction means? You already know what conviction means. I just told you. Conviction means when you feel guilty about something. That's your, that's your conscience. So tonight, we're going to kind of mess with your conscience a little bit. So let's go ahead and pray again. Um, there's Bibles in the front of your seats. Feel free to grab one. Open it up, because believe me, I'm going to ask you guys to read, actually. Yeah, I'm going to ask you guys to read. So grab a Bible. Kenyon, your friends getting your Bible. Grab a Bible. Open up to James chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 13. So James, and you guys don't know where it's at in the front of your Bible. There's a concordance. You guys can see where it's going to be. Yeah, you better go around and get a Bible. <laughs> All right, guys. While you're turning there, James chapter 2. James is towards, almost towards the end of the Bible, guys. Page 700, guys. Can you say page 700? So go to page 700. I think you guys can count that high, right? You guys can count that high? All right. Do I raise your hand when you're there? You're there, Kenyon? All right. Jace is there. Malik's there. Help your friend out. You got it? You there? All right. James chapter 2. We're going to be verses 1 through 13. Let's go ahead and pray, guys, one more time. Lord, we just come before you, and we just thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that we can come here and just hang out as friends. Lord, as, uh, as Christians, Father God, to, to just come here to learn about you, Lord, that you may just have your way in our hearts tonight, Lord. And we just pray that we would just open up our hearts to what you have to say to us, Lord, that we would, um, that we would pay attention, Lord, that we wouldn't get distracted because your word is, is the real deal, God. And so we just ask that we would take this time seriously, Father, that we would just focus this time on you, as we just read this chapter, this half chapter, Lord, just um, just by the have the enemy, Lord, may we just focus right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Question. Do any of you guys know, you don't have to raise your hands. I don't want you guys to raise your hands because that would just be weird. But you guys, just think in your head, you know, you guys know the, those those people who don't really have a lot of money. You know, I grew up with not a lot of money. You know, don't really have a lot of money. You know, who kind of, you know, don't dress the best, who kind of smell weird, kind of smell bad because they can't, you know, take showers all the time. They don't have the best things. So just envision that kind of person in your head. And now, now think of a guy who has a lot of money, who drives a BMW, who has the nice clothes, who has, who smells good, has the expensive colognes, you know, who, who wears nice things has a PS4 Pro, has a 70-inch LED Ultra HD 4K TV, you know, surround sound, the whole thing. All right? Which of those two would you rather hang out with? The rich guy, right? The guy who has the better stuff, right? Why do you, why do you think that is? Because what? Because why? Because he has the better stuff, right? All right. Well, in James chapter 2, this chapter right here in this first in these first 13 verses that we're going to go over James is talking about favoritism he's talking about partiality and how we shouldn't do that cuz we as humans we naturally want to go with what looks more fun what looks more pleasurable right well James is going to tell us here and he's going to convict us on why we shouldn't do that So let's read the first four verses uh, in James chapter 2. It says, My brethren, 
Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, in fine apparel, and there, sh- I'm sorry, yeah, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or here, sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So we see in verse 1, guys, that, that, uh, that James is talking to us about our faith and ha- that it shouldn't have nothing to do with partiality. Let me tell you what partiality is. This is what the definition of partiality is. It means an unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another one, otherwise known as favoritism. You all have those people in your lives that are your favorites, right? Like Matt's your favorite uncle, right? You know, I'm your favorite youth pastor, right? I'm just playing. Just kidding, Matt. I'm just kidding, Matt. But we all have those people that we kind of show partiality to, that we show favor to, right? Well, in this first verse, Paul, or, um, James is saying that we shouldn't do that. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, it says, For the Lord your God is, a God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. So now we see in Deuteronomy that the Lord is not partial. So why should we be partial, right? We're Christians. Christians means, Christian is like a little, it means a little Christ. It means like Christ. So if we're like Christ, like God, why would we be partial? We shouldn't, right? In Acts 10, 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. God shows no favoritism. He loves us all equally, He cares for us all equally. So why shouldn't we do the same? And then we see in verses 2 and 3 that James is giving us a portrayal of what favoritism is. He says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come into in a poor man with filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. So now, now James is painting us a picture, envisioning in our head. So envision this church, and you see a guy who comes, he's wearing Gucci stuff, he's wearing, he's wearing these expensive shoes. He has a Rolex watch with diamonds on it. He comes in. Dang, the dude looks tight. He looks good. And then you see a guy come in and he has holes in his jeans. His shirt has stains on it. He kind of smells weird. Oh, I want to sit next to the rich guy. Not, not the guy that looks weird. He smells weird. Right? That's what we want to do naturally. But we can't do that, guys. And we see in verse 4, James calls us out on those thoughts. He says, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He calls us out on those thoughts because we all know that we've had those thoughts at one time or another, right? Heck, I had it a few days ago. I, I, there are certain coworkers, you know, just in your workplace, at school, you have people who you don't like to hang out with because they're, they're weird. 
or they kind of smell funny, or they just don't fit in with your group. Why do we think that is? Because of this right here, our flesh. Because we are naturally born sinners. We're naturally born evil, right? It's sad, but it's true. Thank God Jesus paid the price for that. He took that away from us. I read a story about, you guys know who Pastor Chuck is, right? He's the founder of Calvary Chapel. You guys, raise your hand if you know who Pastor Chuck is. Really, only two of you all know? Okay, he founded Calvary Chapel. So every Calvary Chapel in, in the world basically started from this man, Chuck Smith. He, I was reading a story about his dad and how he was an elder in, in, in their church in Ventura in California. And his dad also, um, he was a, he was the pastor at a prison. And there was one guy in particular that he knew, he got out of prison and he was homeless. He didn't have anywhere to go. But he remembered Pastor Chuck's dad. And he remembered how, how strong he was in the Lord, how much faith he had, how much he showed and how much he cared for these guys and for him. Excuse me. And so he looked him up. And he found his church. And so he went over there. And the guy walked down the aisle. And there's a he he lived in he lived in shelter in in, in homeless shelters and they have if, I don't know if you've ever been in a homeless shelter but a lot of them kind of have this weird smell to them it's like this sanitation stuff that they use around the building and so anyways this guy he had a weird smell he didn't look the best but what did Pastor Chuck's dad do he walks over there and he sits right next to him. He didn't show partiality because he smelled weird, because he looked bad. No, he loved him as equally as he loved everyone else in that church. Guys, we can't. We have to be equal. We, have to, we can't show partiality because we are called to love everybody in this church, everyone in this world. You know, whether they smell, whether they're weird, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> So James calls us out on those thoughts in verse 4. So we're going to read verses 5 through 7. Um, let's see. Ethan, can you read verses 5 through 7? Heirs. Thank you. So let's jump into verse 5. It says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? So James is telling us in verse 5 that a poor man will be rich in faith and be heirs to the kingdom of God. You guys know what an heir is, right? What's an heir, Kenyon? A what? Not, not an error, an heir. I, you know, an heir, have you heard of the, the phrase an heir to the throne? It means like they're, they're next to inherit the throne, the kingdom, the, the crown. The, so, you know, princes, like in this world, princes are the heirs to the throne for the, for, to be king. So God is talking about a poor man and how he is rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom of, of the Lord. And 
not saying that only a poor man can be that. Not saying for you to just just stop, you know, trying to earn money and and be poor your whole life. That's not saying because yeah, the people that are rich can be can be too. But Matthew nineteen twenty four says this. So let's go. Let's turn to actually turn to Matthew nine twenty nineteen twenty four. You guys don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm gonna turn there. Matthew nineteen. Verses 24. And it says this, And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What do you think Matthew means by there? Right, right there. It is easier for a camel, you guys know how big a camel is, to go through the eye of a needle. You guys, have you guys seen a needle? Do you guys know what an eye of a needle is? It's where you, it's the little hole that you put the tiny thread through so that you can start sewing your clothes and stuff. So God is saying it's easier for a camel to go through the, the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why do we think that is? Why do you think it's so hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Matt. Because they care about everything in this world and nothing about what's going to happen after they die. Okay? All these commercials in this world. You see all those BMW commercials. Oh, you have to have this nice car if you want to be successful in life. You know? You see the PlayStation, PlayStation games. All the, all the, you have to have this to be cool, to, to enjoy yourself in this world. And even, even those alcohol commercials, oh, it's fun to do this. It's fun to do that. You have to do this in order to be pleasurable in this world. But this world doesn't last forever, guys. We die. And what happens after that? We either go over there or we go down there. I don't know about you guys, but I'm planning on going up there. And, and we do that by not being distracted. Like we're talking about the very first week that we don't get distracted by the things of this world, but that we focus on our own walks, on not being partial to rich or to poor people or to weird people or to smelly people or to good-looking people or to ugly people. We don't show partiality, guys. And, and so the Lord is speaking of the poor man right here in verse... In verse uh, in verse 5, because naturally, a poor man, he doesn't have all those things. So naturally, he has to rely on other stuff. He relies on his faith in God more than a rich man would. Because a rich man, he doesn't rely on his faith. You know what he relies on? He relies on his wallet. He relies on his, rich, on his riches. So that's what the Lord is talking about in verse 5. That's what James is talking about in verse 5. And then we see in verse 6 and 7, Let's read it one more time, verse 6 and 7. But you have dishonored the poor man. I'm sorry. Yes, you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? So now James is saying in verse 6 and 7 that the riches of this world can corrupt us. You guys know what corruption means, right? You guys know what corrupt means? It means, to, it means to make something dirty. It's like if you have a cl- glass of clear water and you put some dirt in it and it gets all murky, it corrupted the clearness of that water. It made it dirty. And that's what, and that's what James is talking about in six and, 6 and 7, that the riches of this world can corrupt us and can bring evil in our hearts. James is reminding us that 
that the riches of this world can cause us to sin against ourselves and against our brothers and sisters in the Lord and against the people of this world. It says in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, where the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. There's nothing wrong with money, guys. It's great to it's great it's great to have money. You know, you gotta buy yourself nice things every now and then. You gotta pay for your bills. You guys need to have those things, right? But it says in First Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil. When you start loving the things of this world, when you start loving that big paycheck that you get when you guys have jobs finally. When you guys start loving your car more than you love the Lord, when you start loving your big TV, your PlayStation more than you love the Lord, that's when you get in trouble, guys. And that's what James is warning us about right here in verses 6 and 7, that these riches are going to corrupt us if we let it. We can't let that happen. We can't show partiality to that. We have to show partiality to nothing, to no one. And notice what it says in verses in verse six and seven, or um, in verses six and seven. Yeah, uh, it says, "Drag you into the courts? Do they not? Do they, do the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called?" Notice when it says, "And drag you into the courts," meaning these guys love money so much they'll do whatever they can to get more. Meaning they'll sue you. Meaning dragging you into the courts. They'll sue you. They'll blaspheme your name, your walk, your faith. And because it says in verse 7, do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called, meaning that we are Christians? Hold on. What? Blaspheme? Matt, why don't you tell them what blaspheme means? A lot more negative. <laughs> so let's go on in verses 8 and 9. Um, Kenyon, can you read verses 8 and 9 for me, please? Nice and loud. So now we see in verse 8, he, uh, James is actually quoting a verse from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18. You guys don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn there. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 18. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, because I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what he's talking about in verse 8. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You will do well because of that. And notice in, in the beginning of verse 8, it says, if you really fulfill the royal law. It's not if you f- fulfill the royal law. It's if you really fulfill the royal law. He is emphasizing we can't be fake about this. We have to really fulfill the law. What's the royal law, guys? Ten Commandments. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You shall love the Lord God with all your hearts. Right? 
And he quotes here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Speaking of, I mean, me personally, I like, I like myself. I mean, you don't look in the mirror and say, dang, I'm ugly. Or dang, I hate myself. I hope you don't. You know, you're doing your hair, you look fresh. You know, you make yourself, make yourself look good. Got new cakes like, like Malik does. Right? You try to look your, you try to look your best, right? You try to make yourself good because you like yourself. The same way we love ourselves, the same way that we should love one another. All right? And so that's what, that's what James is talking about in verse 8. And then it says in verse 9 that James, James is calling us out for that sin. He says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So when we show that partiality to others, when we only hang out with that one guy because he's cool, because he has all the rich stuff, and we don't hang out with that, that other dude or that other girl because, you know, she smells weird. He looks weird. No one hangs out with him. He's a weird person. James is saying that we shouldn't do that. And and, and don't get me wrong. The problem, there's not a problem with being nice to rich people. I'm not saying for you to just hate rich people and only like the, the poor people. That's not what I'm saying at all. We should be nice to everybody. We should love everybody. The problem is that when we show favoritism to just that one person. So how can we say that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves when we do that? We can't say that, right? Right? We can't say that. All right, we're going to finish it off closing in verses 10 through 13. I'm just going to go ahead and read these. It says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he said, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do so as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So now he's talking in verse 10 about the law, about the Ten Commandments, the commandments that that God gives us. He says that even if we go against just one of those, we are guilty of breaking every single one. I'll give you an example. We steal something. What happens if someone tries to tries to tell, "Hey, did you steal that?" No. So you didn't just steal. Now you lied. You know, it it leads from one thing to the next. So even if you break only one of them, it's going to lead into other things. It says, if you're guilty of breaking even one commandment, you're guilty of breaking them all. And he's also speaking of, of, of selective obedience. You guys know what selective means? It means you only, you know, it's like you go to a candy store. You know, you have all, you know, you guys like Starbursts? You guys know that candy, right? You guys know what Starbursts are, right? So you have, you have the red ones, you have the pink ones, you have the yellow ones, and you have the orange ones. 
Me personally, I don't like the yellow ones. I only like the pink and the red ones and orange every now and then. So I'm being partial to the pink and the red and the orange, and I'm leaving out the yellow. The same way, he's speaking of how we can't be selective in which laws we want to obey or not. We can't say, you know, oh, I'm just going to steal that. That's not murdering anybody. That's okay. I, I'm, I'm not breaking that commandment. Oh, I'm just going to tell one little lie just so I don't get in trouble. But I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not stealing anything. That's okay. No. We can't be selective on what's okay and what's not okay because the bottom line is nothing that goes against the God, that goes against the commandments is okay. We don't get to pick and choose which commandments and which laws of the Bible that we want to obey and that we don't. We don't get to pick and choose, guys. We don't, we don't, we don't get to do that. And then we see in verse 11, it says this, For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. And now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Now notice in verse beginning of verse 11 it says, for he. And notice it's capitalized. So who do you think it's referring to? God. So God, who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now God's speaking through James to us here. He says, do not commit adultery, but if you do murder, and have be- you have become a transgressor of the law. Do not become transgressor of the law. So going back to partiality, guys. God says what? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? So when we don't love our neighbors as we love ourselves, when we don't love others as we love ourselves, we're showing partiality. We are breaking the commandment of law. So now we are transgressors of the law. So now we're being disobedient by being partial. We're being disobedient to God's law. Listen, you know, I'm not going to be all gloomy, gloomy. You know, you guys all suck because I'm, I'm guilty of it too, guys. I've been there. I've done it. I still do it every now and then. It's hard. It's not easy. But there's a solution. And it's kind of, it's not, a, I shouldn't say it's a simple one. But there's just one thing that we can do to, to help us with that. Be obedient and love your neighbor. We're not going to be perfect because we're not, we weren't born perfect. The only perfect one ever in this world is Jesus Christ. We're not going to be perfect. But we can try our best. Just because you're not going to be perfect doesn't mean, ah, uh, I'm not going to be perfect, so I'm not going to even try to be, to be not partial to anybody. I'm just going to hang out with him, hang out with. I'm not going to I'm not going to say what's up to that guy. I'm not going to sit next to him cuz God will forgive me. No. That doesn't mean that doesn't give me an excuse to do anything like that. We still have to try. We still have to do our best, guys. Cuz God calls us to to do that. To have that 2020 vision. To not be distracted by the things of this world, but be focused on the things of God. 
And it starts in here, guys. It starts with us. In verse 12, it says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. So James is telling us, so speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. James is telling us to act, to take action on, on the forgiveness that we ultimately have all received through Jesus Christ. Because it says, speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? The law of liberty, what's liberty? You guys know what liberty is? Freedom. Freedom. We like having freedom, right? We don't like when when we're closed in, when we're sh- when our parents are strict on us. We like having a little bit of freedom. Well, God gives us freedom through His Son Jesus Christ, the law of liberty. And so we have to act on that, guys. We have that freedom. But we, st- we can't take advantage of that. We have to act on it. We are under the law of the Lord, but we are also made free because of it. And that's what he speaks of when he talks about the law of liberty. We should still choose to obey it. We should still choose to not be partial. Right? Let's close it out in verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we have no mercy, you guys don't know mercy. You guys don't know what mercy is, is right? You guys know what mercy is? Raise your hand if you can tell me what mercy is. Kenyon, what's mercy? It's not getting what you deserve. We all deserve hell. You guys know that? We are such evil creatures. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So grace is like, let's let's not get off topic here. Mercy is us deserving to go to hell. But Jesus showed us mercy by dying for us and forgiving us of, our, that, of that sin so that we didn't have to go to hell. We can be with him in heaven for eternity, in paradise for eternity. So if we have no mercy towards others in this world, when we don't show partiality, when we don't give them a chance to love them, how can we expect the Lord to do the same for us, guys? Because that's what he did for us. So why should we not do this for anybody else? Right, Malik? Why should we not do this for anybody else? Come on, God's focus. We're almost done. And then it says at the end of the verse that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is going to win over the judgment that we receive. That strict, harsh judgment that we deserve, God's mercy beats that any day. any day. So we would rather give and receive mercy mercy than be judged harshly for not having it, right? 
the mercy we put out to others, not being partial, but giving people a chance to, to love on them as we love ourselves, that mercy will, give, will be given back to us on the day of judgment. When we go to be with the Lord, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We'll be spared from that judgment, guys. We won't have that. That's going to be great. Because ultimately, like I said, we deserve hell. But we don't get it because God showed mercy on us. Because he loves us. Just like we should be like God, like Jesus, and love others and show mercy unto them. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you and we just thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the mercy that you showed us. Lord, we thank you that you are God and we are not. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just, like in the beginning, in, verse, in James 1.22 says, that we wouldn't just be doers, to be hearers of the word. That we wouldn't just come here to, to just sit around and listen and hang out, but that we would actually put what we learn into practice, that we would live that out every day in our lives. That we wouldn't show partiality. That you know what? One day that we would go to that weird kid in school and sit with him at lunch. Let him know what it feels like to be to be loved, to to have a friend, to love them as we love ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to live that way, the way you lived, the way you showed us mercy the way you love us all equally, Father. I pray that we would do the same. So Lord, just bless the rest of this night, Father God. Just help us have a good time as we play some games, eat some pizza, just hang out. Lord, may you just be on and glorifying this time. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.